All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the New York Sports Roundup podcast. I'm Chris. I'm here with my co-host Jim. Uh, we're going to be talking about all things New York sports as the world ends, apparently, because uh, we are sitting here in the midst of coronavirus Armageddon. Um, that's not going to stop us. We're going to we're going to take our mind off the end of the world for for 90 minutes. Although, I guess if the world does end, then nothing we're talking about will be relevant. That's so. True. This this all this all assumes and is premised on the fire around the fact that we don't that we don't all die of coronavirus. Um, Jim and I are are in a little bit of a state of mourning today because we were supposed to be going to Vegas for the NFL draft on in on April twenty second. We had our rooms at the Aria booked. We had everything all set up, and um, yeah, that got that got fucked. So, so Jim, how are you? How are you feeling about that? How are you feeling about the wipeout of our Vegas plans? Yeah, it's not great. I'm not feeling great. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those situations where you have to, you know, obviously abide by the rules of the government. Um, as of today, you know, most of the planes are being grounded in some states. Um, you know, and Vegas is obviously shut down. So if you wanted to go there, you couldn't. I mean, you can, but not gamble. Unfortunately, so you know it's it's a tough time. I mean, you can gamble online um, in certain circumstances. Um, you know, there's there's certain areas where you can use apps and things like that. But it's it's a and you know really you're gambling on uh, the AFL Australian football. Yeah, no, see, wait a minute. Or rugby. You're lying. You're lying, and you're lying again. Tell tell our new friends what you've well, actually been gambling so on. When things started <laughs> happening, I would say that the day after the NBA went out. Um, Mexican soccer was a thing. Mexican I think it still soccer. Is. So uh, I, I bet on uh, it was Tijuana and Guadalajara. There you go. Uh, there the you over. Go. The over. The over on <laughs> Tijuana versus Guadalajara. And then Pakistani uh, cricket was the other thing I bet. <laughs> and Pakistani cricket. Yeah. See, this is a, a good way to to determine whether or not you've drifted into degenerate gambling territory. Is things shut down and you're like. Well, I need to bet. Let's see what the Mexican soccer league looks like. You know what? For me, betting gets to me like, you know, it's it. there's a thing about sports that kind of takes you out of the, it puts you in a zone, takes you out of real life. And, uh, you know, for me, like gambling does that. Mm -hmm. So, hey, look, we were about to, full transparency, guys, we were about to go to Vegas and gamble on like Alabama plus or minus eight guys drafted in the first round. Like, so it's not like we were, uh, you know, Oh, I'm gonna bet on the Yankees today. Like this was, we were gonna do some props. We we're gonna do some XFL championship betting. Uh, that's that hurts. We we're gonna do some some baseball, maybe some futures. So I have an excuse to come back to Vegas in a, in a few months. But. Yeah, that's your excuse to come back. <laughs> hey, look, I just hit the Yankees fucking division winner. I gotta go back and collect. I'm I'm <laughs> just saying when you're betting on things like the the XFL, you're sort of in a in a gray area. When you when you cross that line into into the no, over on Mexican the over on soccer but XFL <laughs> the XFL <laughs> is mainstream but you're betting on the over on Guadalajara and Tijuana and and cricket Listen. which which I just want to let everybody know you know absolutely nothing about it doesn't matter it, I, well first of all I feel like Mexican matter. soccer is now it's now, almost now tier one in a non sport landscape don't you think. It's it's the closest I, thing to the United States. I, 
It's in the same time zone. Yes, it is in the same time. Now, were you able to watch these Mexican soccer games and cricket? I guess they have matches, not games. Were you able to watch any of them? Yeah, I can't disclose how I watch it, but yes. Um, you know, and oh, by the way, ESPN is doing a fantastic job about tracking uh, a lot of the stats. And if you do DraftKings or FanDuel, so full disclosure to, to the audience, you can pick lineups. Wait a minute, they have they have FanDuel for Mexican soccer? Yes. Yeah, so they, uh, this is, we, we should talk about this more, but FanDuel for Mexican soccer, League of Legends players. Wow. You can put, th this is, you know what? This is a new world. But you know what's funny about that? This is a new world we're in. You can, you can have a 15-year-old in your lineup betting on the guy playing a fucking video game. Yeah. And like for ten thousand dollars, the kid can't bet. You shouldn't. You should not do that. I feel like, I feel like you've you've crossed a line with cricket. Like Mexican soccer is over the line, but at least it's soccer. Cricket is fucking cricket. Yeah, but that is that is the uh, uh, what's the it's, right? it's what's the, the right soccer team? of India. I was, <laughs> it's, it's the I was thinking of the right way to say it, but sure. <laughs> yes, technically you're correct, except you're not fucking Indian. What you are, though, is lifelong Jets fan. So yeah. let's uh, let's start there. And you know, Joe Douglas, I think, took a took a real different tact so far in the start of free agency than my boy Dave Gettleman and my team, the Giants. He really, uh, you know, he kind of let the market come to him a little bit. I feel like um, I think. From my perspective, his best signing was the center McGovern. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, um, so, you know, kind of start, um, as Chris mentioned, I know, you know, last week we, you kind of went over um, my resume a little bit, but I've been a Jets fan forever. Um, when I was a child, when I was a kid growing up, it was Jets, and I did, I did actually follow the Chiefs. Full disclosure and full transparency. So I was actually happy that the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl. Um, it was good to see Mahomes and that team. It's been a long time for them too. But you know, I used to do a podcast um, called Garbage Time. You can actually see some of our videos on YouTube. A little plug there. But um, you know, I've always followed this team. I've been through a lot of the eras with John Edzig, obviously, and then uh, you know you had Mike McCagnan, and, and now uh, I'm Douglas. But I think how Douglas kind of shines past the others is that it looks, and this, and by the way, I think an agent came out, I want to say a couple of days ago, and he said, this is the Jets, of, this is not the Jets of old. This is a new Jets team. Joe Douglas has a figure, and he sticks to it. And that, and that surprised me because every general manager says that, but I feel like Douglas really followed through on that. Yeah. This, this offseason at least. He does. And, and uh, you, know, you mentioned McGovern, right? So offensive line was key. Oh, my God. If you look at this team, um, you know, I know you went over it last week. When you look at this team, you have to remember, right? This team had the second best record in the NFL last year in the second half of the season. They were 6-2. and two. The Ravens were number one. So that just goes to show you. Look, and people could say, well, you know, the Jets had an easy schedule last year. Guess what? The teams who played the Jets had the easy schedule because they played the Jets. <laughs> so for what they did, Darno, everybody knows what happened with that. When you look at this year, right, Darno, another year, and, and I get it. This will be a year that you have to look at him and figure out, you know, all right, 
Is this guy going to take a leap? I, I watched, you know, every single game last year. I go to a bar. I, I watch every game. I rewatch the plays on NFL Network. Um, everything I saw was good from Darno. Except it, all the amount of time he spent on his ass. That, that, that wasn't good. He does make questionable passes sometimes as well. He throws off his back foot. Um, you know, he, he does make passes into traffic. That's He's young. Right. It's young, yeah, exactly. He's young. He'll clean that up. But offensive line was key. So, yes, McGovern uh, recently announced. So we're doing this on a Saturday. Uh, uh, Van Roten was just announced. I think that's a great signing. Brian Winters, his days are numbered. You know, so when you look at the cap space for the Jets, right now, I mean, you're, they're probably after the Van Roten signing, sending about $24 million. They're gonna they're gonna cut Brian Winters. He makes too much money for what he can do, so that's that's thirty two thirty one million maybe. Uh, Tremaine Tremaine Johnson's money will take, will take care of all the draft picks and the undrafted and a lot of other shit. So now you're working with thirty one million dollars, right? When we talk about the Jets, you have Jadavion Clowney sitting out there, and I know there's a lot of rumors about him going back to the Seahawks for a year as a prove a deal. Uh, he was injured a bunch in the past few years. Nobody wants to give him a long-term contract. I know the Jets. The Jets need an edge rusher. Would you like Clowney to the Jets at, at say, one year, $20 million? No. So No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't do $20 million. So the rumor right now is that every, every team is offering him 13 13 14 For one year? For or on a long-term deal. have been. So I, yeah. nobody's, so I think the Seahawks want one year. I think other teams might be doing two or three. I read the Seahawks at $18.5 million for one year. So that's what probably it's going to come down to. I would say $17, $18 million. Um, you, when you look at Clowney as a long-term, I'm, I'm out. I'm, put, I'm taking my chips and leaving the table. That's why the question is one year, $18.5 million with your cap and a half. Yeah, so I, maybe I'm being a little bit of a... Of a, of a uh, of somebody who's looking at the cap space and want to take at least every single morsel and make sure they're investing it properly. <laughs> you know what? You're a longtime Jets fan. That hasn't yeah. happened to you in so long that I understand why you're looking at it that well, way. Well, and this is, and you know, we can segue this into Robbie Anderson, right? So Robbie Anderson, still out there. Everybody's like, why are the Jets signing him? Well, let me tell you something. Robbie Anderson thinks he's Odell Beckham Jr. He's fucking not. He's a six-foot twig who is really fast, and can make really good catches, but disappears from games. And this is somebody who, like I said, I've watched this guy every game. I saw him, I was in Charleston when he was in the, when he played the Dolphins, and he had that big game. I saw him against the Raiders when he had that big game. Like, he has great games. He has the potential to get the 100-yard, two-touchdown games. But guess what? The past two years, 750 yards. And I get, I get it. I get who's throwing to him. I get the quarterback situation. But I don't see this guy as a 1,300-yard, no. 15-touchdown receiver. No. He's not a number one receiver. But let no. me tell you something. You know, you look at the Jets' depth chart right now. You look at their roster. I mean, there's no question that they could use him. I mean, I mean, Robbie Anderson, everything you just said about him is true. But he is a number two receiver on a playoff team. Right, I mean, he's he's a useful guy. He can have a big game if you have a number one guy who's going to draw a lot of attention and get and get double covered. Robbie Anderson can hurt other teams. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's definitely miscast as a number one receiver. He's not that guy. But you look at the Jets' depth chart at receiver right now. I mean, they could use him. Right. They go they go and find a number one receiver oh, in yeah. a draft. Wouldn't he be a good complimentary number two? Yeah, and and, and you know. Um... 
I guess we'll get to the draft and, and later mm-hmm. on, but the wide receiver core for the Jets is scary. Now, look, I, I think if, if, you're, if you're a Jets fan listening right now, I am a big fan of Quincy Anunua. I don't know if he can play football again. <laughs> but but you he, just like him as a person. I like him as, as a, a guy to have a beer with, he's fantastic, Jets fan. I think he is like your old. So here's the deal, right? If Quincy Anunua is healthy, you have Quincy Anunua can easily be your outside target on the left side, right side, whatever. Jameson Crowder is your slot. But by the way, Jameson Crowder is going to be cut next year, but whatever. He's your slot for this year. But he's there this year, so that's what we're talking about. I think that uh, the Jets will more than likely, when I look at the the roster construction, the way it is right now, and the moves that that Douglas is focusing on, I think they go on wider speed in the draft. I think they are, too. And and it just makes too much sense. it, It makes too much sense, and they really need to, and here's why. From my perspective, you know, Darnold, I think... Is one of those quarterbacks who's kind of at the precipice of, is he going to be a franchise guy? And and there are are people who are drafted who could have been franchise quarterbacks, but their career got screwed up. Like David Carr, right when he went to the Texans, he had fifty two sacks. You got to give this guy protection, and you got to give him targets. Yeah. And they've done a lot in the in the off season, you know, with the McGovern signing, which I thought was a great one. I thought that that, that was a, a solid player on a reasonable deal. Um, you know, the the Van Roten signing, um, I really like that. Another solid player on a reasonable deal. So I think they've taken some steps to shore up the offensive line. But if you want to see what he is, you got to give him somebody to throw to. And Anunwa's health, who knows? Jamison Crowder is great, but he's a slot guy. And again, he's yeah. a one-year guy. You can go get somebody in the draft. But, but to me... I think Robbie Anderson going back to the Jets makes a lot of sense. I think I, I know the Jets fans aren't in love with him, but I think it was because he was miscast as number one. And I think so long as his contract demands come down and get reasonable, he would be a good re-signing for you. I'll be honest with you. I think I think you mentioned Jets fans, right? I think Jets fans. I I feel like uh, not to get political, but I feel like Robbie Anderson is very similar to the political landscape. Uh-oh. You have two sides of the coin, I think, on Robbie Anderson. <laughs> yeah. You have, he is either the god of the Jets wide receiver core. He needs to be signed. Any any mo- amount of money, throw at, you know, he wants $15 million? We need him. Like, he's so important to this team. By the way, I'm not on that side, full disclosure. Then you have the other side, who, like, I'm not really here either, but I'm sort of in the middle. But you have the other side saying, just get rid of him. Not, $8 million is too much for Robbie Anderson. And especially when you see Emmanuel Sanders signed for nine, right? And you see what Brandon Cooks, the Rams want to they could they want to get rid of him to, today. And here's my thing, right? You have Robert Woods on the Rams who gets eight million dollars. I'm gonna pay Robbie Anderson twelve million dollars. Yeah, but the, but the, you can't go by that though because the cap has been going up. The cap's yeah, going up, so now Robert eight million dollars last year. Yeah, but even still, with the new collective bargaining agreement, people are throwing more money around than they were last year. I mean, and, and every time you sign a new free agent, like, it's going to be for more money. An eight-year contract a year ago is $10, 12000000 million today. And you need him. Well. You I need him. I, well, we need a receiver. I don't think we need him. And yeah, but who's left, on the, who's left on the free agent market if not him? And that's what I'm saying. Right now, you need him. You get somebody in the draft, but do you really feel comfortable going into your season with – with, you know, Anunua's health being what it is, Jameson Crowder and a rookie? 
I think you you need well, another guy. Let's be honest though. The, we've seen rookies. So when we yeah. talk, when we look at wide receiver, you can do it with. Yeah, a we've seen this. We've seen with the Titans. Right? I know. We've seen it with other teams. Uh, we'll we'll get to this, but um, you know, I think this obviously everybody's saying this draft is very is very um, deep in wide receiver. Yep. Uh, now you'll have Jets fans too, and I'm sure again there's there's gonna be a lot of Jets fans that say, no no no, wide receiver is one of those positions that is uh, a specialty. <laughs> you want a tackle, take Werfs, take Thomas. Here's my thing. But they sign guys now. Exactly right, and we already replaced three starters. Yeah, on the you got line. three new starters on the old line. I think you. I think you it's know, a perfect time to take a receiver. You want yeah exactly. Now you want a rookie. Like how about let's get. Let's get a guy who can transform this offense. You have Le'Veon yeah. Bell, right? But you need a guy that has that body type that can beat cornerbacks that are the top of the league and also get down the field from Darnold to throw. That's right. What are you going to have? You're going to have, okay, great. So people are like, well, you have Ryan Griffin, you have Chris Herndon. Oh, all right. So now all of a sudden we're the fucking Patriots that we have to have now a slot guy that's really good and then two tight end sets. Darno is not that guy. Like, I, I, I think he's, you can't, yeah. he's not a pure pocket pair, so he's going to drop three seconds, game manage. This is, it should, Gase loves the offense. We get down the field, medium, medium, medium throw passes, um, sometimes a deep shot, but they're not going to all of a sudden turn to the Patriots. Like, that's not happening. I think you gotta, you got to get him a target because, again, I think it goes back to, to Darno's confidence in his development. You fix the offensive line, you get him some targets, and you get a better quarterback out of it because all of a sudden his, you know, his his confidence is up, and he's got guys getting open. I mean, anybody can have you know great passer rating and a great season and a, and a great game when your receivers are getting open and you have time. Yeah, and I just think that's so important for them. Now, I wanted to ask you about what I thought was probably the most interesting signing because we talked a lot about fixing the offensive line. So, the Jets sign offensive tackle Jordan Font. From the Seahawks, three years, thirty million. I gotta confess, this is a guy I don't know a lot about. And you know, the signing just happened uh, a few days ago. I haven't had a lot of time to really look into him and and really watch the film. But from everything I've read, he seems like kind of a question mark. You know, he he's a guy who you know Douglas obviously liked, and he's an offensive line guy, but. He doesn't have like a long track record of consistently holding down a tackle position. Mm-hmm. And 10 years, or I'm sorry, $10 million for a solid tackle is not a tremendous amount of money, especially when you can move on in a year or two. But he's a big risk. What do you, what do you think of that signing? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? So you can get out of it in a year or two, probably next year. All the guaranteed money is pretty much up front on his contract. Um, so from what I hear about Font, he wanted to be a left tackle. He's going to be the Jets' left tackle. Do you um, trust him in that role, though? I mean, I know he wanted to be in that role, yeah. and Douglas trusts him in that role. But but again, we're talking about how critical it is for them to fix the offensive line. You go out and you sign a guy who, yeah, it's not a lot of money, but but I don't know. I, I mean, mean, we don't know what he's going to be. I'll be honest. He's probably the best left tackle in the market. Like Conklin. Here's the thing with Conklin. So. Everybody wanted Conklin. Um, he's not a left tackle. He's a right tackle. You needed a left tackle. Yeah. What I hear, so Fond is 24 years old. He's extremely athletic. He's extremely versatile. What Gase does on offense is very similar to what they did on the Broncos and the Houston Texans, where it's more of that pull-style offensive line. 
um, where you're, you're moving to the right a lot. And what you're going to get out of that is that you have Fonz really moving to his right. But a lot of times it will also, you know, kind of obviously protect Darno's blind side when he when, when it's just a standard pocket. But they all they, they want to do this whole right side shift offense. What happens is Darno rolls out, right? So Fonts, when, when you look at Font, is does is he really important? Is this a Tom Brady offense or is this a, a Adam Gase offense? So that when you look at that, the offensive line has to be versatile. They have to be quick. They have to make sure they can get the, the blocks up the field. It is not your typical Darno in the pocket, six seconds, check down, not there, left side, that is there. Like it's gonna be a lot of motion. Le'Veon Bell is, is you know, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna, it's, he's gonna be moving around a ton. Darno is gonna be moving around a ton. You're gonna have you're gonna see guys doing a lot of um, you know, uh, quick slants. You'll see like the sweeps, the jet sweeps. It's gonna be a very it, the offense that they wanna build, and look, when there's no, this is not a, a, a secret, right? There's no, um, there's no hidden agenda here. Douglas is taking Gase and he's saying, what do you need? He's talking to Gase and saying, what do you need? Gase is saying, look, I need versatile offensive line. What I had last year was a fucking joke. <laughs> well, I'll, like, say, I'll <laughs> say this. I mean, in, in terms of versatility, the guy's great, right? He's, a, he's you know, a, a hybrid tight end almost. And you he know, played like well he, with, like, Russell Will. He, I no, mean, he they, they're trying to build that. I get the it. The Seahawks type off. But, the, but what yeah. I wonder about is, you know, can he really stand up over a 16-game well, we'll season see, yeah. at left tackle? Like, it's one thing to be like, this is the offense we were on a run, and this is why we think he fits into our scheme. That's all, that's all well and good, but... You're talking about you're trying to protect a guy who you're hoping is going to be your franchise quarterback. You're putting somebody on the left side, on the tackle spot, on his blind side, who hasn't, I don't think, really been consistently tested against the best pass rushers in the league. And you're saying, hey, you're the guy now. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, Chris, I mean, Trent Williams have been great. You know, do we want to pay a 31-year-old $20 million a year? No. Yeah. We want to give him a second-round pick for him? No. No, but you could have drafted somebody. I mean, yeah, but again, well, I guess it's the same the, risk, it's right? It's still on the table. I mean, yeah, It's still on the table. Look, I don't think so, because I think they're taking a receiver in I the first too, round, and honestly, so do you. Look, here's the deal, right? The past three fucking years, we've taken defensive linemen. Uh, <laughs> uh, so maybe, actually, it might have been four now. I think, it's, I think it was three, it might be four. But anyway... So far, it hasn't worked out. No, so far it hasn't. The only guy we have left is Quinn Williams, and by the way, he carried a gun on a plane. I don't know what's going to happen with him this year. You know that tends. I got. I got to be very honest with you. That tends not to be good. Yeah. That tends to be a bad fact. So I would like. I would like an offensive playmaker. And, and look, like I think playmakers. When you talk about playmakers, it always shifts to wide receiver, running back, offensive linemen can be playmakers too. Because guess what? If they block well, you're going to make a ton of fucking plays. I think that's right. <laughs> but again, you're talking about blocking well. I mean, I mean, he's a guy who they're going to have to, I think, for at least the first half of the season, until they really figure out what he is, they're going to have to scheme around, right? And and they're going to be able to do a lot of things with him. And Gase is supposed to be an offensive genius. But like I said last week, the Jets scored the second fewest points in the entire league last year. Which doesn't really smack of offensive geniusery. Yeah, you know what? So, so uh, he, that's another thing. You want to talk about case? So I don't like him. Yeah. So he's, I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I don't give a shit. But I don't like him. I give everybody it time. Um, I understand. Look, I get it. I I, I look at so. Although I will say, let me let me just say sure. before you go into it. Yeah. 
the team did play hard for him, even though they had a disastrous first half of the year. And I give him a lot of credit for that because the team didn't quit and you had a 6-2 and two record in the second half of the season. I still don't like him. I don't well, know why. I was why. about to say that too, right? When you talk about the quarterback, um, fails obviously is who, right? They signed some guy, uh, I, I forgot his first name, Smith. I mean, look, like, you talk about Gase. I'm always of the, of the impression that I give, if, if, if the front office, and I know, I know about the front office of the Jets, I get it. No, but Douglas is changing it. He is, but he, but you know what, though? Like, uh, obviously, um, Chris Johnson's still in the mix when it comes to you know, who reports to who. So, obviously, you have to take that in consideration, but... I give guys a lot of time, so I'm going to give Gase this year. I want him to. I want to see what he can do with Sam Darnold for 16 games. I saw what he can do with Jay Cutler. I saw what he can do with Ryan Tannehill. He took the Dolphins to the playoffs. That has to mean something. I want to see what he can do with an offense when he has a second year, first year. All right, first year, all the shit that happened. I get it. You mentioned about his coke habits or something like i didn't mention about his coke habits i said he looked like a coked up okay meth head in so his original alleg- interview allegedly. which i think is accurate allegedly so no it's not allegedly <laughs> that's what he looked like so anyway it's so- on film it's not alleged <laughs> when it's on film so you have that right you have the D- mono with darno um and it, this is what i want to bring up so all of this being considered gase everything Linebacker is going to be so much fucking better this year. C.J. Mosley is coming back, hopefully now for That's a full right. year. That guy's a difference maker. Avery Williamson's coming back, hopefully for a full year. C.J. Mosley's a difference maker. You're going to have two of the top middle linebackers in the league on your team next year. Yes. You're going to have hopefully a edge rusher that maybe they'll sign for agency. You're going to have <laughs> Quinn Williams, Anderson. A, a, uh, uh, McClendon, a really good defensive line. It's going to be a better defense, except if they. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, and I hate to be this whole jet beat the chest shit, but if they yeah. get clowny, it could be one of the top five defenses in the league. This I year. disagree, and let me tell you Hot why. Take. I disagree, and let me tell you why. And I know you and I disagree on this because we've talked about it. I think you got problems at cornerback. Tremaine Johnson, seventy-two and a half million dollars released. Yeah. Today, right. Daryl Roberts. Another garbage player. Another garbage player. Two starting Jets cornerbacks released. Now they signed Poole. Okay. I think they have a problem at quarterback. Convince me. That, cornerback pool was, can, that pool was a great sign. No, that's a great sign. But he's a nickel cornerback. But he's a nickel cornerback. He's a nickel cornerback. So convince me that with Johnson gone and with Roberts gone and with you not adding a, a big-time outside corner – and it looking like you're not going to do that in the first round because we both agree that we think they're going wide receiver in the first round. How are you going to well, cover you know, anybody? Listen, Chris, this isn't a Madden, you know, 2020 here. This is a, you're not going to have an all-star number position. Okay, but who? But but cornerbacks a pretty fucking so, important position. Last last year, Bless Juan Austin stepped up for this team. Um, I think I agree that they need probably another corner. Logan Ryan. So Logan Ryan's on the market right now. He wants ten million dollars at least a year. Um, I think that's a slight overpay, but again, that this falls into be, the yeah. Robbie Anderson model for me, where I think you need a veteran there. So I'd probably pay it. Yeah, I would too. Uh, you know, I, I look at a guy like that. Short term, two three even, years. I, I don't know if Trey Wayne signed yet. No, he signed. He did. So yeah, Xavier Rhodes is still out there too. I, I think if you, if you Xavier bring, Rhodes had a terrible season last year. Now, but, but he's a why? buy low candidate. 
But but let me tell you yeah, something. He is a buy low candidate. I'm a big I'm a big fan of buy low candidates, but his yeah. 2019 was awful. It was. If he hopefully he was hurt. Yeah. And I said I don't mean hopefully he was hurt. I mean for his performance sake, hopefully there was some injury there that the general public we didn't know about, which would explain why he looked the way he did, because it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot. I think it's probably a combination. So when you look at the Jets too, when you talk about, you have to take everything into consideration, right? So uh, Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. I don't care what anybody says, he is the best safety in the league. Um, Marcus Mays is fine. He's he's a great player. Um, he is a, you know, he's more of the hard hitting safety, but he's fine. You know they they just put in a safety safe from the Rams who they want to they want to convert. Um, it, you know they might do like a free safety package or something like that. But I think if they see here's the problem last year, right? So when and, and the corners played really well last year, but when you had Mosley out, Mosley can cover the middle of the field really well. Greg Williams, the Greg Williams teams do not give up big plays. That is his mo. You look at the Browns, you look at the Rams, and what he did. When his career, he does not give up long pass. Now, mind you, he will give up short passes. He will give up yards. He'll give up first downs. But he does not give up long plays. Mm. To me, with Greg Williams, corners don't matter. They oh, do. Oh, no. But not in the sense of you need Stefan Gilmore to this be is, on, the, on one of the sides. This is just where we disagree, and we're going to see yeah. what happens this season with it. I think. I don't think so. I think, I think Greg Williams makes corners better because of his defensive style. Maybe a little bit, but I think that without – I don't think you can go into a season with the cornerbacks they have right now and say, we're just going to scheme. I don't think that works with cornerbacks. I think there are some positions where that does work. I actually think that works with linebackers. I think it works with safeties where you say, this is a flawed player, but we're going to scheme around him. I think with cornerbacks, given the way the league is right now, and it's such just a passing league, everybody knows it, I think if you don't have – that one cornerback who you're like, I know this guy can get a stop on third down. I don't think you can scheme around it. I just don't. And, and you know, it's hard for me to sort of say that because, you know, the Giants won Super Bowls because their pass rushers were so good that they made their cornerbacks look like all-stars back in the day, you know, with Strahan and Yuman Yura and yeah. Talk. Like, they got there so quickly that, like, guys who weren't great cornerbacks, like – Looked great, and I so I get that that the pass rush can affect the cornerbacks, but in this day and age, I think you need you need a guy who can who can get you that stop on third down. I think I think the Jets don't have it, and I I started this by saying I know we disagree. I I know that you think they're good enough, and I know you think that scheme matters, but I just don't see it that way. So hopefully, um, you know they they do sign somebody, or hopefully. I'm wrong, and and you know, or maybe they find a gem in one of the later rounds because I I really don't think they're going well, to come back first. first that's round. important. So I mean, yeah. any any what we're talking about right now, the importance of the draft is the the utmost. So let's talk about that. Yeah. We think they're going receiver in the first round. Do I'm you have a preference something. between oh, yeah. the two receivers? Oh yeah. So the two I, the two this, the two big this. boys. So listen. So we talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, all I've been doing right well, so the past few days, besides work, at night, you know, even today before I came um, on the show, I've been watching tape of wide receivers, which I know, you know, whatever you can judge me out all you want. But no, I, we have no life. I've explained yeah. <laughs> this. 
I explained how much tape we watched early in the first episode because I just wanted to tell everybody, um, we have no life. We watch a lot of fucking film. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something right now. C.D. Lamb is the next big wide receiver. Really? Oh He's putting his chips Holy down on C.D. Lamb. I, when I see C.D. Lamb, it gets me excited. Wow. Only because I see some of the mocks. He means excited sexually yes. there, ladies and gentlemen. Not not in any other every way. way. Every way. Possible. Every possible way. Because when I see him, I'm seeing a young DeAndre Hopkins. I'm seeing a young Elijah Fitzgerald. I, I, this guy gets, uh, he has the hops. He has the speed. His route running is so good. Dude, the guy is six foot two. Six foot two and a half. He's 190. He's going to go to the NFL. He's going to get to the training camp. He's going to get to the fucking locker room. He's going to get to the gym. The guy's going to put on weight. He'll get to like maybe 215, 220. He's going to be a monster. I think, I, and I looked at Judy. I looked at him. He, so, so first of all, obviously if you're a Jets fan, we don't really prefer Alabama players. Even though we have Quinn Williams, I get it. But there's a track record of Alabama players. When I saw Judy's tape, I saw his highlights. I saw all the YouTube videos. They put highlights out there. I'm just telling you something. He is good. I'm not discrediting him. But CD Lamb makes him look like a Mexican hooker. It, it, he he looks like he. It's very like uh, I hate to say it, it's very Robbie Anderson esque. Really, he's six foot one. He doesn't have a lot of weight on. He his whole thing is oh he breaks ankles. I, the games I saw where he was breaking ankles, the cornerbacks stood there. Mm. They would play lesser teams. I, I know he did a lot in the playoffs. I get it. I, I don't I don't know what he's... I don't see it in him where I saw it in CeeDee Lamb. I Interesting. Saw, when I saw the CeeDee Lamb's pro day, the, the guy had, like, the quarter... Like, look at the quarterbacks, right, too. Like, this is what I try to look at, right? Like, you look at Alabama, Tua. Tua through to Judy the whole time, right? When you have Oklahoma, you know, it's it's different. Like the guy throwing to to Ceedee Lamb, and I'm forgetting his name now, but he's a speed guy. I think he's in like he, they're same thing drafted in the fourth, fifth round. But the guy, he's not a quarterback. He's probably gonna get converted to like a receiver, maybe like one of those like Taysom Hill type flip guys. But um, that's why I think Ceedee Lamb's so good. But then when I saw his pro day, it was such a he, he it was one play is such a bad fucking pass. It was the back of the end zone. He like he must have jumped three feet off the fucking. <laughs> like he got it with one hand. He, and I, I get no corners on him. I get it, but like he has the tools to me that he can fill out his body. He has the speed. He can route run. I think the Jets should take Ceedee Lamb in the first round. Again, if Ceedee Lamb's taken, then maybe look at the offensive tackle. I don't trust Jerry Judy. I I get why people want him. Um, I just don't trust Alabama players. Wow, you've heard it. You've heard yeah, it here first. CD Lamb for the win. I think CD Lamb's the best receiver in this draft for the Jets by far. He thinks he's the yeah. best. So put that put that down. Write it down, and we will come back in a couple of years and check it because I like to do that with drafts. Yeah. I like to check and see. You know, now, I'm not. I'm not saying, no, no, you're promising. You're I'm making not promises. I'm Mel Kiper and Tom Brady, where we show it. <laughs> we show it every year that oh, I saw. It, I said Tom Brady should be a first round pick. Yeah. No, no if you hit it, we'll never mention it again. Yeah, if you miss. Exactly. And C.D. Lamb turns out to be a boss. Then we'll we'll talk about this every so. year for the rest of your for I the think rest C. Of, Lamb, for the rest of your life. He yeah he um, I think he's the he's the real deal. Okay, I mean I, I think I think that's a fair assessment. Um, 
I mean, I, I have to confess, I have not watched as much tape on wide receivers as I have on linebackers and offensive linemen just because of what the Giants are looking at. I mean, the Giants, you know, are, are I won't say they're fairly set, but, but they kind of are at wide receiver. I mean, you got $10 million a year in a Golden Tate. You got 8 or $9 million a year in a Sterling Shepard. You got Darius Slayton, who, yeah. you know, in his second looks year good. looks good, looks real right. good. So I don't see the Giants taking a wide receiver no. anywhere with early picks. So I haven't watched that much tape on the wide receiver class, which is why I was curious to see, you know, kind of what you thought. Interesting. I note that most, I don't know what to call them, professional pundits, we're amateurs, most professional pundits really have the two wide receivers kind of neck and neck with no strong preference, but but Jim's got a preference, so... Um, yeah, I don't know how you don't... I, 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 like I said, I, I, it's to me it was obvious. And again, like, yeah, you're right, we're amateurs. Um, all I can do is watch tape. I mean, I, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I can't go to every single. And we can't, and we can't get all the tape that they can either. That's yeah, another that's thing true. that we wanted to mention. Is like we watch that's a true. lot of tape, but we only watch what we can get. I mean, I can't. We don't have like a full time staff who goes to yeah. college games and. And all I watched was the pro day. Makes film the underwear Olympics. Yeah, the underwear Olympics. I, I oh, that's the, the combine, not the pro day. I watched the pro day. I watched the. Um, I watched some of his highlights. So, on YouTube. Um, you can watch, obviously, they put highlight packages together of the best plays, you know, but I want to see, I want to watch everything of his, every play of his pro day, because I know scouts go to those, and they, 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 I think they elevate that as a number two thing to a draft status versus, the combine's on number one, um, but number two is the pro day, number three is obviously what they do on a college football career, um, and then, you know, whatever, but what I saw from the pro day was, Chitty land by a mile. By a mile. By, by a mile. Like, it All wasn't right. close. And, and I, 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 Judy has speed. He, I, he's not Tyreek Hill. I'm telling you that right now. He's not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's different. He's very special, Tyreek Hill. Um, I think people are saying, oh, he's the next Tyreek Hill. But it's like, I don't, I don't see it. I hate that shit. The next so-and-so. Well, like, yeah. I, I just don't think that means It's really anything. the only way you can... Like, well, the problem is, like, people need to compare people to something, right? So, like, for instance, like... When you look at yeah, you need to compare people to something, but yeah, at the same time, everybody's looking for Mahomes, right? So like, yeah. like, oh, this might be Mahomes. Justin Herbert might be Mahomes. Um, Jalen Hurts might be Mahomes, yeah. but you know what? He's not. So let's all get off that. Last thing we're going to talk about it's on like the Jets. Two is not Mar- Mariota. Yeah, two, two is not Mariota, and <laughs> thank God for that. Last thing we're going to talk about the Jets, and then we're going to move on is. Biggest news in Jets world, I would think Tom Brady to the Bucks. I don't know what they gave him. It was something like $60 million, $50, $60 million, um, to go down and play for the, for the Bucks. Last year, Brady, 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Still pretty good stat line. I mean, the guy's 42 and still, uh, you know, Putting up those kind of numbers, which is insane. I mean, it's otherworldly. I think it's been what about twenty years that Tom Brady has been killing the Jets. Um, as a lifelong Jets fan, who spent who spent almost half your life watching Tom Brady just make the Jets his bitch. Are you just so happy? How are you feeling about this? And where are the New England Patriots going with their next quarterback? So. 
The first thing I'll say is that Tampa Bay made a mistake. Okay. I don't disagree with that, but uh, I'm just saying... Jameis Winston was is better than Tom Brady at this stage of the of okay, career. that's fucking stupid. No, I, I disagree. That's fucking stupid. I disagree. Stupid. I think it depends he, what you mean by better. I mean, Jameis Winston he probably throw for more yards and make more plays, but the guy threw 30 fucking interceptions I last year. It, he sucks. Here's the deal. Jameis Winston... 30 he, interceptions. That's all I'm saying. Jameis Winston... That's my got, argument. ...got LASIK surgery. James oh, it was his eyes. He needed contact lenses. He stopped drinking, apparently. Oh, so he was a drunk who needed contact lenses. That's exactly what I want in my quarterback. I think he's going to be the steal of free agency. Yeah, there's no way. I'm telling That's you right, right. Now. 30 interceptions. Just you don't like my CeeDee Lamb hot take. <laughs> no, put, the CeeDee Lamb hot take makes put James Winston yeah. down as the most improved. Well, yeah. first of all, it you know what? Improved. Put him in your fantasy lineups and your family lineups, and I promise you, you won't lose money. You should. Well, it depends That's on That's idiotic. Team. He's uh, going to throw another 30 interceptions. I think the Chargers should jump on him in two seconds. Well, the Chargers don't so, have anybody. So, so sure. here's the deal. So I think Tom Brady, at his stage of his career, I think he is going to a situation that should be helpful. However, for fantasy players around the world, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will not be the same. You will not get the stats you got last year. Not even close to the fucking stats you got last year with those two. But um, you might win. You well, might win. Oh, listen. Oh, listen. You I, might not rack up the stats, but you might win. I, I want to make this That's clear. That's the difference. I want to make this clear. So you asked the question, right? So I want to make this clear. Tembe is, I think, I, last time I looked at it, plus 175. I would take that bet in two seconds. Over the Saints, minus plus one. Plus 175 to what? To win the division. Oh. Um, I think I think they're very live to win the division. You can bet them to make the playoffs. I think that's live now seven teams next year. I think they are... Their talent is really good. They've always had the talent. Um, it's just how did now look? I mean, I think they they should have probably went after either Gurley or Melvin Gordon, but it is what it is at this point. I don't you, you trust Ronald Jones? You know, I, I think when when you look at Brady, right? Everything Brady always had, and people always say, "Oh no, he never had good running backs." Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Like, he did have good running back. I don't want to hear like. And oh, he had a and he had a Corey reasonable offensive good. line. Yeah. And let me tell you something else. He and this cannot be underestimated. He had the best coach who ever lived, and a guy who can scheme the shit out yeah. of things. And and there's this whole thing you know in the Boston media and other places right now of how much of our past success is Belichick and how much of our past success is Brady. And, you know, to some extent, you know, they go hand in hand. You, you can't separate it out. But Belichick does things that no other coaches can do. I mean, he is the Michael Jordan of professional football coaches. And I'm just saying that, you know, I wouldn't put anything past him. I think that a lot of Brady's success potentially, I know it's blasphemy, but potentially – Came out of the fact that Belichick is just great at what he does and put his players in positions to succeed. And I don't know that Bruce Arians or anyone else is going to do that for Tom Brady. So I don't know that, you know, and and you know, it sucks because I would kind of like to see Tom Brady in his prime go to another team and see what he is. Tom Brady is 42. Like, if he goes to Tampa Bay and flops, everybody's going to be like, he's 42. He was the best best quarterback of all time. And that kind of sucks because I would have liked to have seen what Tom Brady's career arc was, you know, in his prime for a coach who wasn't Belichick, to see is he still the greatest of all time. Well, here's I the don't thing, know. right? Like, I don't know. You even said it, right? 
people point to Matt Castle a lot. So Matt Castle, um, I want to say he won 10 or 11 games the year Brady got injured. Um, right. They, they missed the playoffs still. But, yeah, but still, he won 10 or 11 games. Yeah, so... You know, people say, "Well, it's it's all it's all the system." You had you had Jacoby Brissett. So when you asked the question earlier about who wants who who do you think would be the Patriots quarterback going forward, I think Jacoby Brissett's live uh, mm-hmm. now with Philip Rivers there. I don't. Here's so people are like, "Well, I, I saw this coming out of the Colts." Uh, I know this is a New York sports show, but I saw this coming out of the Colts. Um, yeah, we're going on to the Giants soon because yeah. uh, we spent a lot of time on the Giants. So somebody said about Jacoby Brissett will learn under Philip Rivers. First of all, Jacoby Brissett's on his last year of his deal. Uh, he what is he twenty seven? What is he going to learn under Philip Rivers? Nothing. Philip Rivers is he's good, right? I, I get it. Like he has he had a bad offensive line last year. He's two years removed from an MVP almost. Uh, so Phil, I think he's still good, but I don't. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, he's going to be a, he's going to be a trade target. So I I see I see Jacoby Brissett maybe as a Patriot. No way Cam Newton. No way Cam Newton, no way Jameis Winston. Bill Belichick would have a fucking heart attack <laughs> if they had either. I think guys. Cam Newton's the right fit for that team, no, so no, I'm no. unfortunately here he is. I think it's Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett. All right. I think it's those two. We're going on to the Giants. God, my Giants and Dave Gettleman. You know, it's been a, uh, a really interesting free agency period for the Giants. I have to say that there are a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of analysis out there that you can read that, that really likes what the Giants did. Um, PFF Pro Football Focus has the Giants as one of the four most improved teams this offseason just based on their signings. I have to tell you, Giants fans, I didn't love what they did. Um, and and there's, I mean, there's kind of a lot of reasons why. It's like where to start with it. But we had... $77 million in cap space or $72 million in cap space, something in the 70s. Leonard Williams, $16 million franchise tag. I get that Dave Gettleman wanted to do that, kind of had to do that because he gave up two picks for him. But just from a dollars and cents standpoint, there is no way on this earth that Leonard Williams is worth $16 million, even for one year. He's a run-stopping defensive end. I don't know that he's that much better than B.J. Hill, frankly. I don't think we've seen enough of B.J. Hill to know. And to tie up $16 million in Leonard Williams just because you traded two picks for him strikes me as the, is you know, you're just kind of throwing good money after bad at this point. Um, I didn't like that. I would have put the transition tag on them. I would have seen what the market was. I would have let the market, you know, come to you a little bit and see if he really got that deal that he wanted. Um, look, you had a lot of time to watch Leonard Williams, and I know that, you know, he he played a key role on the Jets, but are you franchising him at $16 million a year? You know, Leonard Williams is an elite run stopper. Yeah, uh, run stopper. The problem is it's not the 1970s anymore. We yeah. now throw the ball. Yeah, but, you know, you are in a division where there are strong running backs. You know, you have Ezekiel Elliott. You have uh, Adrian Peterson, whoever else they throw out there. Um, the Eagles do like to run the ball. So it, it is important to have somebody that can actually stop a run. Yeah. $16 million is a lot of money. Now, 
I think what you probably have going for you is that Leonard Williams was double teamed, I want to say 70% of the time last year, maybe 60% of the time. Um, the defensive line will be improved this year for you guys. You know, I think that uh, he is, it, it is a lot of money. Now, look, they need if 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 uh, Gettleman is serious about Leonard Williams, you have to restructure it. You you can't. Yeah, I mean, money. yeah, you have to restructure you it if you're serious like three, about it. Three, you know, forty or something like that. That's right. But you have him. Um, you know, I think you had to have him after they gave up two two mid round picks. Very important, especially this draft where it seems like players coming out this year, and you're seeing it too. I think it has something to do with the coronavirus, but you're seeing it that a lot of like like juniors are coming out a lot, like just people who are like, you know what, they're on the borderline. They will probably do better with another year, but we're just gonna come out anyway. So there's gonna be a ton of depth. So to give up two mid round picks, yeah, guy, you had to bring him back, um, and I think I think he'll really help you guys with run stopping. You know, and then and, and look when you have the run stopping guy, then you have bread there, right? So you haven't mentioned him yet, but. You have now a corner that can that can hopefully be your shutdown guy for the future. Um, and I, I really like what the Giants did on defense, to be quite honest with you. I, I did like it. I like I like Blake Martinez. People don't like him for some reason because his tape is bad, but I've seen him on the on the Packers. He's a good linebacker. Oh boy. You know, he he he, he does make good plays. Um, I think he's better than Al, Alec Ogletree. Who oh be, yeah. He's be better than Alec Ogletree. We're gonna we're we're gonna get into some Blake Martinez talk on this <laughs> but I think, on this podcast, I assure you. I think your defense has improved. Norris Jenkins quit. He didn't want to be there last year. You knew that, you saw it. You know, so I think there was some uh you you made some trades, obviously the Odell trade. Uh, you know, there you had to retool that team. A little bit on the defense, uh, defensive side, uh, but you have uh, what's his face? Uh, I'm forgetting his name, like from the Browns that you got back on that trade. Proppers, who's coming back? Yeah, Jibril Proppers, exactly. coming back from injury. So now you have you have him, who I think is probably one of the most underrated players yeah. in the league. He's great. You know, I mean, he he can really play, but but I I still think that you know a guy like Leonard Williams, he's a good run stopper. He he, I think. Is a solid NFL player. Like I don't want to be any Leonard Williams hater. He's but an elite run stopper. He's an elite run stopper. He's a solid NFL player. But I'm I'm saying like, you're gonna pay a guy sixteen million dollars a year. He better be a game changer. Yeah, I don't no, think Leonard's a game changer. He's not. He's not. He's not a game changer. Well, you have to figure sixteen million is top five money. That's I mean, right. That's, that's the franchise tag. So that, and that's why I said like I think it's too much money yeah. for a guy who doesn't who doesn't warrant it there. And and he the rest. Yeah. didn't want to play the four year. Seventy million dollar games of teams. The the rest of the Giants' moves to me fall into this category of making some sense to no sense. And and let's talk about it. So we had Leonard Williams last year. So re-signing him doesn't exactly improve a defense that was horrid, right? James Bradbury. I think he's a good guy. I think that he's a solid corner. I think that unlike Janoris Jenkins, he actually wants to be a giant, and he's a high-character guy. But from a talent standpoint and from a pure coverage standpoint, I'm not sure that James Bradbury is like a huge upgrade over Janoris Jenkins. He might be a little upgrade over Janoris Jenkins. He might... um, you know, be a guy who's a little bit more of a team player. He might be a guy who's a better locker room guy. He might be even a better coverage corner. But it's not a huge upgrade. So we've gone through basically half of where the Giants spent their $72 million in cap space. 
And we got a re-signed Leonard Williams, who we had last year. And we sort of swapped out Bradbury for Jenkins, which a little bit of an upgrade to potentially dead even. See, right? I disagree. I think, I think, really? I think Bradbury... So you think it's a huge upgrade to the North well, Giants? Put, put into consideration, last year, if you ask any DFS guy, daily fantasy guy, Giants, wide receivers with the Giants were like, it's automatic. You put them in your lineup. Because Jenkins didn't seem like he cared. Now, when you look at Bradbury, right, look at the division he played in. And this is this was like yeah, a he, comparison. Yeah, he covered a lot Bradbury of Bradbury had to cover Michael Tucker yes. twice, Mike yes. Evans twice, and uh, Julio Jones twice. You know, and he did a pretty good job. He, was, he did. He did you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now what does he get? The Redskins guy? I know, I know, our McLaugh, McLaugh, what was his name? Uh, Terry McLaugh. Lynn or whatever his name I don't is. even know who the Redskins have. So he's, honestly. I guess he's good. Yeah, him. I mean, I mean, there's number one receivers Cooper, all over the league. You got Amari Cooper. But you're like, gonna have to defend people. Yeah, you know, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Is that scaring you? Like, I, I so I think like that's why. I say, you think like, he's gonna become more of a shutdown corner? I don't know if it's a shutdown corner, but I feel like he's gonna be better than Jarvis Jenkins. Really, by a, by a lot though. I think so. Or just by like a little bit of an upgrade. Last year, this year, by a lot. Really? Two years ago, probably not a lot because I think Jenkins cared more. I think it's going to be a – I think it's – if it's not a push, I think it's not enough to upgrade your defense and to sort of build around. Um, I, I just don't. I mean, I, I think they they you'd $72 million in cap space to spend, and your two big moves are, are Leonard Williams re-signing and you're trading Bradbury well, for Cody Jenkins. Well, Cody was a good signing, obviously. Uh, I mean, special, special teams, teams guy. He's still, not going to help your defense. He's still the special teams. Defense is terrible. Yeah. Um, and we're and now we got to talk about the signing that I absolutely hate, Blake Martinez. I, was I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I can't tell you how much I hate it. And it has nothing to do with Blake Martinez. The fact that I hate it. Yeah. I think Blake Martinez is a, a reasonable guy. I think he's a he's a moderately successful middle linebacker. I hate it for. Two reasons and two reasons only. Number one, we signed him for three years and thirty million, and we could have had Corey Littleton for three years and thirty-six million for an extra two million dollars a year. You upgrade from Blake Martinez to Corey Littleton, and let me tell you something: there should be absolutely nobody, whether you're a professional talent evaluator or whether you're just amateur idiots drinking beer like us who thinks that for $2 million more a year, you'd rather have Blake Martinez and Corey Littleton. There's absolutely no defensible, no reasonable explanation for that decision, except the, the reason that I absolutely hate, which is Patrick Graham, our new defensive coordinator, coached him, yeah. coached Martinez in Green Bay. That's why he's on the Giants instead of spending $2 million more to get Corey Little. And that's a terrible reason. It's idiotic. That's the first reason why I'm against Blake Martinez. The second reason why I'm against Blake Martinez is $10 million a year for a linebacker is a ton of money. The guy is pretty much one-dimensional. He's got like 150 tackles a year, and that's great. He's going to stop the run. He's an elite run defender. Just like Leonard Williams is an elite run defender. Just like Dalvin Tomlinson is an elite run defender. Just like Dexter Lawrence is an elite run defender. So we've got four guys 
who are elite run defenders. Blake Martinez couldn't cover anyone. He can't cover running backs, can't cover tight ends, and it's a passing fucking league. I don't know why we are setting up our defense to be a run-defending defense that can't cover anybody. Like, Blake Martinez can't cover, couldn't cover anybody. Like, I, like it just makes no sense to me why you sign that guy instead of a guy like Corey Littleton for an extra $2 million a year who can do it all. Yeah. Explain that to me. I don't get it. Well, I, I don't get it. So, Blake Martinez is a worse coverage linebacker than Ogletree. Uh, and that's saying something because Ogletree wasn't good. Yeah, and, and and Martinez also he doesn't he doesn't overcommit. So I think Martinez I think the good thing about him is that he lets the plays come to him. He's gonna be your Mike linebacker. He's gonna be your the guy that's gonna always get the plays. Why couldn't Littleton be that guy? I mean, it's an interesting question. Yeah, it's I a think, ridiculous question. I think it's just so if you look at what's going on on the Giants. And again, this is somebody from the outside perspective, but I think what they're trying to do, they again, the Giants see so many good run-heavy teams. They're trying to build a team. I think that it's going back to the roots of 2008, and I know like that in 2008 you had a lot of sacks. I get it. Yeah, we had pass rushers. We don't have that. Now. I feel like what they're trying to do now is build that strong front seven, where it's like you know what. If you're gonna to come to us and you're gonna run the ball, we're not gonna allow that. Yeah. And but no what? matter beat what analysis, deep. beat us deep. Alshon Jeffrey, go ahead. You no know, matter Larry what. Cooper, go ahead. Like no that's... matter what analysis you have, no matter what reasoning or thought process you have, there's no reasoning or thought process that has Blake Martinez over Corey Littleton. There's just not. He's a better player. Like when when Gettleman drafted. I think I think Martinez is better. It's a better wrap up tackler than than Littleton. I think I think if he can get there, maybe. Well, no, I don't think that's fair. I think I think when I think on the Packers defense, when you look at what the Packers did, um, Sands, Clay Matthews after he went to the to the Rams, they their defense was still really good last year. You know, Blake Martinez was in the front and center of that. Um, I think that's what the Giants are looking at. You know, Packers. It wasn't all Aaron Rodgers. His stats, yeah, Rodgers didn't turn the ball over. But they weren't blowing up every game offensively either. You know, the Packers' defense was very solid last year. That was all through Blake Martinez. He was the Mike guy, and he was the middle of the field. He called the defense, but I don't know that talent-wise he was so important to that defense. And the way you know that is the Packers didn't even try and keep him. They didn't give a shit. Well, They I went mean, out and they signed somebody else because they were like, either. yes, they, I mean, they went out and signed a linebacker for more than he got from the Giants. So I'm saying, like, they knew what they had, and they thought to themselves, you know what? We can get somebody else to call this defense. Look, he's obviously a smart guy, and I get that Patrick Graham in his first season as coordinator wants somebody to call and to manage that defense. But when you're talking that's about him, yeah, that's the biggest thing, and yeah. I don't like that. Like, that's what the coaches are supposed to do. When you're talking about him at $10 million a year, we're talking about Corey Littleton at $12 million a year. Like, I don't think there's anybody who could go with Blake Martinez. Like, when Gettleman drafted Saquon Barkley, he said, this was an easy pick. My mother could have made this. You don't need any scouts. You just watch Saquon play, like, and you know. That's how I feel about Blake Martinez and Corey Littleton. You watch them, and you know that Littleton is the better player. And the only reason Martinez got signed is because Patrick Graham thinks that he can set up his defense, which is the coach's job, and which honestly is not a reason 
to not spend $2 million more dollars a year and go get somebody else. We are going to take a very short break. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're talking about the Giants free agent signings. We've gone over Bradbury, and we've gone over my least favorite signing, which is Blake Martinez. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the rest of them. Um, you know, I really I really like the Fackrell signing. Uh, Kyler Fackrell. I feel like the Giants are kind of focusing on on younger players. Uh, I guess they recognize that they're they're probably not in a position to dominate next year, and so they're hoping to sign guys who can grow with them a little bit. I feel like I might be remembering this wrong, but everybody they sign is between twenty six and twenty eight, other than other than uh. The offensive tackle Fleming, who we'll talk about in a second, but Fackrell's kind of an interesting guy because a year ago, well, actually last year in 2019, he didn't really get that much playing time, and the reason why that's odd is because the year before he was over 10 sacks, and as a young player, I kind of feel like if you're over 10 sacks, then you're going to get playing time the next year because people want to find out what are you going to be? How good can you be? But coming off a 10 plus sack campaign, he couldn't get on the field. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised by that. I really am. So for one year and I think it's $4 million. I like that signing. I think that's a, another one of these buy low kind of signings that, you look at it and you're like, if it doesn't work out, we're out of this for $4 million over one year. If it works out great, you know, this guy's going to be a key piece of the defense. Um, and so I really like that signing, just like I like the Cam Fleming signing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Cam Fleming was the offensive swing tackle for the Cowboys last year. And he played really well when he was uh, – called into duty either as the swing tackle or when he had to start. You know, they had some injuries, and, and Fleming had to start some games, and he played really well. And again, that's another sort of by-low signing that I thought made a lot of sense. Um, we also picked up a couple of special teams guys, Cody Core, who was a re-sign, and... Uh, Patriots special team guy, Nate Evers, who, you know, look, Joe Judge is a special teams guy. So I give a little bit more credence to when he goes out and he says, I want these special teams guys. I'm like, all right, I think uh, I'm excited to see what they do. But I don't think the Giants can be complacent because we still don't have a starting center, which is not good. And Cam Fleming is a swing tackle who right now is our starting right tackle. So that's really not good. Um, and I look ahead to the draft and it's like, what are they going to do? You know, I mean, the dream scenario, I suppose, is still that they trade down from four. And there's a ton of places that they could trade down. Dolphins. Chargers, right? They want quarterbacks. 
Um, today there were some rumors about even the Raiders coming up because they're in love potentially with one of the quarterbacks. Um, that's got to be two, you think. Or, you know, coming all the way up to four, you think it had to be two. But I'd love to see the Giants trade back in this draft. Um, as much as I like Isaiah Simmons, I think that you trade back. And, and if you trade back with Miami, that would be amazing because you drop one spot and you can get another first-round pick. Miami has three first-round picks in this draft. So you drop one spot and you pick up a guy like Isaiah Simmons. And then you drop down to, I think it's 17 and 26 that the Dolphins have in one of those two spots. You could still get an awful offensive tackle there, don't you think? I think so. I mean, it might not be the offensive tackle you've got highest on your board, but you still get a first-round talent at tackle, which you really need. So yeah. from my perspective, like two first-round picks – better than one first-round pick. And if you can trade down one spot with the Dolphins to do it, that's a home run, no? Yeah, it really depends, to your point, about what happens with Tua. Um, it's been rumored that the Chargers want to trade up. So the Lions hold all the cards here. You know, who is going to give the biggest package to the Lions? The Dolphins can, to your point. They have three first-round picks. They can get two this year. Yeah, they the could. They could. For Tua. Um, you but know don't the, you know go- the Dolphins need Tua, right? They, they, they have Fitzpatrick has one more year probably left in him until – Shit hits the fans, so you know what are you going to do there? But don't you think they're, they're putting a ton of money into that team? Right the now. Lions are going to stay put and pick Oduga now that they traded Slay. I don't know. Really? I don't know. I feel like that's a lock. Yeah, but you know it, they need so much on that team. I get they have Galladay. I get they have Stafford coming back, but who knows how Stafford's going to react to all those injuries? Yeah, he's uh, a question mark. They have their defense has holes just all over the place. I guess yeah, Slay was a major loss, but I, that's what I'm saying. And Oduka is also a joke. Oduka is a game changer. He he is a Slay. You know, he's like a mini Slay. Yeah. You know, as you get for a reasonable price, like if they pass that up, they better get a fucking haul. Well, and I think the Dolphins two first round picks this year, um, potentially a second, maybe even a first next year. Would probably it, it has to be enough. You can't. Oh, they'll get it for a first rounder and yeah. and fodder. And they they also signed a ton of guys. I mean, the Dolphins went out and they signed a ton of guys. They might have yeah. two of the best cornerbacks in the league right now. Ever signing yeah, Jones? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe the, maybe that's the best quarterback tandem in the league. Yeah, I mean, Xavier and Howard. Um, Can you think of a better cornerback no, tandem? Uh, imagine if they had Nick Fitzpatrick still. But I'm saying, right? you know, I think uh, the Dolphins are much improved on defense. Yeah. They have and Brian Flores is a good defensive coach. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna make some noise. They signed there. Jordan Howard as a running back. I think yeah. That's a good signing. Uh, Kenny Drake trade was weird. See, the the Dolphins on offense have been uh, an, an enigma to say the least. Yeah. They didn't know who they wanted to go with. They went with Patrick. I feel like look. I, and again, when I went, mentioned at the bar, right? So at the bar that I go to, every game's on, and I felt like every other time I watched the the Dolphins, it was Rosen or Fitzpatrick, and they didn't know. Who to go with? They had no and, idea what the fuck to do. They were like, we don't even know who's our starting so quarterback better. to be. Yeah, but but he was better for one year. Like that's the yeah, thing. Well, like they didn't true. have a Super Bowl team. And, as a and Jets why fan, are you playing? I should, I should comment on that. Why are you playing Ryan Fitzpatrick if you don't have a playoff team? Yeah. Like, what are you gonna learn? You're not gonna learn anything. So what are you doing? Like, why are you fucking up your draft well, pick to go like, six and ten or seven and nine? Why are you doing the that? Coaches always feel like they're sitting on an oven, and 
Uh, yeah. Flores, Flores was in a tough spot in the beginning of that year, right? The Dolphins, oh, they're tanking. Uh, this coach is just a puppet. They don't. They're not realistic about this year. Then all of a sudden, Flores turned around. Yeah. Because Patrick was out. He really there. did. Devontae Parker became like, what happened with him? I know. All of a sudden, the, the shit player bust all of a sudden became one of the top receivers in the league. You had uh, all these guys just coming out of the woodwork, playing really well, and you know their defense stepped up after all those trades. Their defense still stepped up. Look what they did. The Ravens lit them up in Week One. And the and the and back end of that year, was it how they played against the Cowboys, really well. Um, much look, Dolphins, and this is why I say about. So when you look at like we talked about gambling earlier, right? So the AFC East props are and, and futures are very interesting this year. Um, I think the Patriots are favored at even money, and the Dolphins are I want to say eight to one or seven to one as we speak today. But well, then I'm taking it, the Dolphins because let me tell you all something. Pretty close. I think we I think we know who the Dolphins quarterback is going to be. I think it's probably going to be Tua. I don't know that we know who the Patriots quarterback well, is going to be, and I'm Patrick, I'm exactly. betting fucking against a team who I don't know who the quarterback is exactly. going to be at even money. Like I think yeah. Belichick's genius. I think the Patriots are good, but. If you're talking about even money, and I don't know who your quarterback is, like I'm not, I'm not taking that. I'm going the other way. <laughs> yeah, and, and right. Their Super Bowl odds. They How, were, what are the Bills odds? The Bills odds. Have the to Bills be are great. right there. So I think Patriots. When I looked last, again, this was yesterday, so this was uh, Friday, uh, but it was Patriots even money. Bills were like plus one twenty five or one plus one thirty five. I want to say Jets were like. Four or five to one, maybe even a little bit more than that, and the Dolphins were eight to nine to one. Interesting. Um, but it was. I haven't. I haven't looked at the NFC East odds. I'm telling you that, you know, I think the Cowboys. By the way, the Cowboys signing Gerald McCoy was a great signing. I feel like. Was, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, that was a great signing. Yeah. I mean, they, they're talking about a buy low candidate. Like, they got him for. I can't even remember. I think it was twenty million dollars over three years. Okay, so you're talking about six and a half million dollars a year, give or take. And we just franchised Leonard Williams for 16. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that Leonard Williams isn't a better player than Gerald McCoy. Or that he's had career, yeah. he's had more sacks and he's older. But I'm saying he's not three times the player that, that Gerald McCoy is, such that you want to pay 16 million versus six and a half, right? Yeah. Like that makes no damn sense. So like, you know, the Cowboys. Salary cap wise, I mean, look, they found a way to bring back Amari Cooper. They got Dak. They got Elliott. Like the defense, I think is is reasonable. Like even with Slay going to the Eagles, which honestly really pissed me off because the Lions could have traded him anyway. I got to trade him to the fucking Eagles, so I got to see him. For not a lot twice either. a year. What what did they get for him? It wasn't even like third or fifth or something. It was like, that. like nothing. It was nothing. It was well, maybe, not, maybe second or fourth, but yeah, it was, it was, it was not. It was not the, the haul that you'd expect to get for that guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can't, I absolutely can't stand people just giving players to the Eagles. Like, let's talk about that for a second, how annoying that is. But, you know, the Giants have Saquon and we have Daniel Jones, and I think we have a, a hell of a young nucleus. But I don't think this offseason we've gained ground on people. I really don't. Well, you want to so, see how Saquon bounces back. Um, I think last year, obviously, the injury affected him. Yeah. You want to see what he does this year uh, with some of the... And, and, you know, who knows? When, at this point, the season is starting on time, but who knows? But you want to see how he bounces back, how he bounces back from the injury. 
you know, they, they don't, you know, I think people look at Daniel Jones and say, oh, he's Josh Allen, but no. there's a reason why Daniel Jones is called Daniel, Daniel Dimes because yeah, he actually he's, can, he's accurate. He's accurate as He fun. can run, yeah. but he's, he's accurate. He's accurate. Um, so your, your offense, you know, and, yeah. and, and you have that, you have Golden Tate week one, but you didn't have that last year. I gotta be honest with you, I think Jason Garrett's gonna be good for that offense. I really do. Like, I know yeah. people don't like Jason Garrett, and there was, there was some Giants fans who didn't like him that higher and who were kind of like, I don't know how I feel about Jason Garrett being hired as our offensive coordinator because he wasn't a, a great head coach. But as an offense coordinator, I think he's really pretty good. I think he's going to be good yeah. for that offense. And we'll see what Mike McCarthy does with the Cowboys because, honestly, I think Garrett is better than McCarthy. Um, the, McCarthy is hated. I'm, look, this is how I rate coaches, right? And I get it. He was there a long time, whatever. But how the Packers all of a sudden became a great team yeah, the <laughs> leaves, and then like you know, oh well, it wasn't me. It was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was is, you know, it's argu- arguable that Aaron Rodgers is probably top ten, maybe top fifteen all time. All time. I mean, how like, bad? How how bad can you be as a coach when you have Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Like that's what I want to know. To go eight. Like, and eight? what's your floor? Yeah, exactly. Like it. It makes no sense. I mean, you. I mean, you're gonna go eight and eight with Aaron Rodgers, like. If I was an NFL coach, if they pulled me out of the stands tomorrow and they were like, hey, here's a clipboard and a napkin, draw up some plays, and I had Aaron Rodgers, yeah, and I'm like, I, think, I think I could go 8-8, eight eight, yeah. right? Like, I would concentrate on the defense. <laughs> yeah. just run and I'd just be like, Aaron, call the plays. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Just see what you see at the line. Audible at the exactly. line. Whatever you want to yeah. do, just do it. Yeah. You're going to go 8-8. Eight eight. That's how Gates became popular, by the way. But yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so... I mean, I think Jason Garrett is one of those really good coordinators who maybe didn't turn into a great head coach. Although, hey, look, he was a head coach for 10 years. Like, you know, that's that's saying something. I mean, yeah. they had a winning record most of that time. I, I don't think they overachieved. I think they probably played about as well as or worse on their talent level, so... I mean, that first year with Dak and Ezekiel Elliott, the 12 and 4, I mean, that was their year. That was their year, and they didn't do it. I mean, they didn't, they didn't close. Yeah, they didn't close that year, right? Yeah, I mean, but as an offensive coordinator, I think he's he's interesting. I really do. I think I he's think interesting. So he's and seen everything. He's you know. seen, yeah, that's right. It's, 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 the only concern I'd have is that how they stripped their duties, his duties last year and gave him to Kellen Moore. We're going to only concern. Yeah, but that was him on his way out. Pretty much ran the same offense that Garrett did anyway. Uh, right. So and he was know. on his way out, and Jerry Jones wanted to like look like to the press in Dallas that he was doing something and, right. And so he was like, "Here's what we're is doing." Very similar to Dallas. So yeah, you got a running back who you, you need to carry back. the load. You can have a, a quarterback that can run. You get a quarterback pass. who's who's fairly mobile. You have your, your Randall Cobb, you know, look, Golden Tate, slot receiver. You have your that fast. Yeah, Slayton. I know. Yeah. I'm not comparing Slayton to Mario Cooper. But no, no, but Slayton is very. He fast. can stretch the field. field. He can yeah, stretch exactly. the field. And Shepard is that is that possession guy. He's a possession guy. And here's and here's the thing, like. I think that that Saquon is a different running back than Ezekiel Elliott, but. They're both that kind of running back that can carry a game for you, right? Daniel Jones is a different quarterback than Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott's a little bit more more mobile, and Danny Dimes is a little bit more accurate. Yeah. So you can work with that as an offensive coordinator, right? Like, that's not a big tweak either way, where you're like, okay, I don't have – I have more of a home run running back, 
and I have more of an accurate, less mobile quarterback, you can make that and fucking And the Giants' work. tight end is way above the Cowboys. Yes. Whatever Evan the Cowboys Ingram's is clean. throwing out there, Evan Ingram's way fucking better. Way fucking better. So, like, that's what... And, by the way, you have you also signed Tolilo, who is not bad. Uh, he, I he, thought that was an overpay even at $2 million. So Let me like, tell you something. He's a journeyman tight end. Brett Ellison, like, I mean... No. Know. Let me tell you something about, about that signing. If you can't draft a blocking tight end with the sixth round draft pick, you need to get out of the game. Like, why do we need to pay that guy $2 million? Like, I don't understand that at all. Explain that to me. It's a tough, it's very tough. It's ridiculous. You can get that, you can get that in the fifth or sixth round. Like, draft it for nothing, for $600,000 well, like a year. that's left tackle in the sixth, fifth, or sixth No, round. no, that's completely but no, different. But no, because the, the tight end, to, to have him come in on a blocking scheme, is very similar to he's basically acting as a tackle, so it's he's not even remotely acting as a tackle. The tackle's job is to block a defensive end. The tight end's job is to chip, and potentially get to the second. Those are two completely different responsibilities. But it's all about footwork, and it's all, it, you can't. It's just you can't have this, the guy off the fucking street. Do it. <laughs> I think like, you. No, I think no. you're gonna have a fifth or sixth round tight no, end now, now it's gonna be your third string. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what you draft in the sixth round. Because Kittle, is, to me, is like the ultimate. So Kittle's the best blocker in the league and the best catch in the league. Yes. You can't find that's No, rare. but that's not what they like signed. Kelsey's not a good blocker. That's not what they signed in. No, I know. But, I mean, that's you You want you, you have to have your your uh, you know guy on the ground if you're going to do running plays. I just think you can draft it for a third of what they paid for. Maybe. Do you want to draft a blocking tight end with a six-round pick? Yes. That's exactly what I want to draft for the six-round pick. I'm going to try to, try to land a defensive line there or a red rusher or something like oh, that. Oh, you're going you're gonna to try and spike you a... You might as uh, well. Like, <laughs> no, you, you might as well draft a blocking tight end with that You see pick. all the time. Cornerbacks, edge rushers, six-round picks. Or Tom picks. Brady. Or Tom, well, Tom Brady. Brady. Fourth round. Oh, excuse me. Six? I no, I think it was a six-round pick, but I don't know. We have to look at it. We don't care about the Patriots on this show, so it really doesn't matter. Um, Wilson was a fourth. I yeah, Wilson was sixth. Yeah. One of the things we care a lot about is the New York Knickerbockers, oh, which is where we're going right now. And, oh boy, I hate to say this, but I will say that over the past three months, my personal opinion is that the Knicks' odds of winning a championship have improved by 2,000%. Let me support that position. Because since coronavirus took off, there is the potential that James Dolan might contract coronavirus. (laughs) And if James Dolan contracts coronavirus, I feel like the Knicks' odds of winning an NBA championship improve by 1,000%. So what I'm talking about here is a 2,000% increase because you don't know that he's going to contract it. But I feel like it's pretty likely. And I feel like he's kind of old so that if he contracts it, there's a reasonable chance he'll, he'll die. And I think that that prospect of James Dolan contracting coronavirus and dying from it does more to increase the Knicks' odds of winning a championship than pretty much anything else I've seen in the last three years. How do you feel yeah, about that? Yeah, it's funny you say that, because the first part, we were going to get Spike Lee's tickets, and then that second part, we're now banned from MSG. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as I said in episode one of this show, I don't give a fuck who we offend. 
<laughs> we're not going to be those guys who like pirate the line because we need access. Like access can blow me. James Dolan is a he's hard. I mean, he's a bad owner. He's like, a terrible he owner. He needs to come to come to senses that you can't ban everybody. You no. can't like you can't run a team that's how he runs the Rangers and how he runs the Knicks. I don't understand. Like, how does he let the Rangers just say, you know what? We're gonna build young. We're gonna do a solid core. We're gonna try to run for the championship. And the Knicks is like he has to be like all hands on. Because the Knicks are his baby. He's in Napoleonic complex. Little fucking twit who got a silver spoon stuffed in his yeah, mouth cable yeah. with Cablevision when he was born. And he, he thinks he's a genius when he's an idiot. He's probably the dumbest guy in sports. He's the most hated guy in New York. Oh, How the fuck do you get on the wrong side of Charles Oakley and Spike Lee as a, as a Knicks yeah. person? Like, if you give a shit at all about the Knicks... There's probably, the, like, the last two guys you want to make an enemy of, the last two guys you want to be on the wrong side of, Charles Oakley and Spike Lee, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, how can you do worse than that? You know, uh, I have an opinion on Spike Lee. I think uh, a lot of it's a clown show. I think he's there for the fanfare. I think he made himself popular, obviously, with the Reggie Miller shit that went on years ago. Michael Jordan, he made himself you know, front and center. I, I get it. I, I understand now he's like the Knicks mascot or whatever. He's um, what Jack Nicholson was to, uh, Jack Nicholson was to the fucking, the I yeah. mean, the Lakers. Like, I mean, Red Spike Lee. Like, yeah. everybody loves Spike Lee. You're the first guy I've met who doesn't like Spike I Lee. I didn't sound like Spike Lee. I think, I think he's, I think he takes, so from what I hear his interviews and he's saying like, well, I expect things to be different. I expect, it's like, fuck you. What do you expect? You're a fucking front row, you're a season ticket holder. You sit in the front row. You bring, you wear Nets shit all the time. You, you, yeah, because we're killing the Knicks right now. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, no, it does if matter. If you're going to be a Knicks fan, wear Knicks shit. Like, I'm, are you a Nets fan all of a sudden? Like, I'm not. Like, I, like, like you. if you're going to be like this whole, like, I'm the Knicks mascot. Let's say Fireman Ed, like, wearing, like, fucking, you know, giant shit. And then being like, oh, the Jets offended me. Like, fuck you then. Go be a Giants fan. Dude, like, honestly, though, <laughs> James Dolan is way worse than anything that any other professional well, sports it's, team it's, has done to anyone. It's questionable. You ask a Jets fan about Woody Edwards, and maybe we'll have different conversations. I don't think that's right. I mean, Woody Edwards wasn't wasn't banning people from the stadium no, he's for not, chanting. But he's also for hands off for chanting "sell the team." Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, that. that's that's as bad as oh, it look, gets. I am not sitting here defending the Knicks. No, you're I'm, defending James Dolan, and that's worse no, than no, defending no, no, the I'm Knicks. Not defending James Dolan. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is slamming fucking Spike Lee. I do yeah, not but, like. What he's done against Charles Oakley. Okay. And by the way, Charles Oakley also came out recently. I don't know if you saw this. And said Patrick Hume was a prima donna. And how he's, he, he didn't really want to play with him. And it was for 10 years, it was a pain in the ass to play with him. And I'm like, dude, do me a favor. Like, I get you have alcohol problems and stuff. Like, <laughs> maybe get out of the media for a little bit. Like, now you're starting to sound like James Dolan. James Dolan accused Oakley of having alcohol problems when this all went down. I thought like, he does. <laughs> Look, <laughs> if you throw Charles Oakley out of MSG and you throw Spike Lee out of MSG, you're he wrong ten Spike times out of ten. Spike Lee decided to leave. MSG. That's not right at all. I said he that he couldn't come in the same He's interest that he used for twenty fucking oh, years. Oh God forbid he has to come with the regular people. He has to be the common man now, Spike Lee. Oh my God. Why? Why does he have to be the common man? Because James Dolan is a sawed off little prick. Who what is Spike Lee of the Knicks? What are you defending? Like I don't understand it. How I never thought. 
that you all of a sudden will be the Spike Lee fucking defender. What, what is he in the Knicks? He's a clown. He's a fucking mascot. That's he, he is. He's not Jack Nicholson. He is that's to a, the Jack Nicholson no, 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 no. of the Knicks. No, fucking He's what, the crazy? Jack Nicholson of the Knicks. He had who, one series of Reggie Miller where he became like ESPN's front cover boy. When you think of, of and Tim Lakers Hardaway. fans, when you think of Lakers fans, Think of Jack uh, I don't care about super fans. That's all bullshit. When you think of Knicks fans, you think of Spike Lee. That's just how it is. It's just how it is. And look, James Dolan started to fight. He, he threw out Charles Oakley. Threw out Spike Lee. He threw out a, a high school kid. Yes, I saw that. What did that high school kid do? Chance sell the team? Look, he's the worst owner in fucking I, sports. I agree. In sports. I agree okay? with all that. That's that's not an exaggeration. I mean, since Donald Sterling was forced to sell the Clippers, and, like, you know, I thought to myself for a while, I was like, maybe Adam Silver will step in here. And then I really thought about it, like, over a bourbon, and I was like, you know what? That's never going to happen, and let me tell you why. Adam Silver works for the owners. And if you're the owner of a team other than the Knicks, you want James Dolan right where he is. Yeah. Because the Knicks still make money, and they're terrible. And when you're competing for an NBA championship, having one deep-pocket team run by a fucking moron who, like, is no threat at all because no stars want to play there, no great college kids want to get drafted there, no coaches want to go there, no real competent GMs want to manage there, that's great for you when you're one of the other teams. And so, like, they're not in a hurry to push James Dolan out because MSG sells out every night, and James Dolan and the Knicks are no fucking threat. They're a clown show. So, no, like, but you want you do want the New York market in play. I mean, but the New York look, market is in play. Los Angeles. Like, I mean, now Brooklyn will be with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I think you still want the, to me the Knicks. I know it's getting lost in time. But it almost like have St. John's, right? Like St. John's in, in New York was always the best, like one of the better college teams you can go to if you lived in New York City or Long Island. You know, that was, we were a perennial March Madness team, you know, but that obviously with all the scandals that went away, right? The Knicks were always that team that always showed up. You had, again, you're talking about Larry Johnson, Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing, John Starks. I was talking about like my wife the other day, like this was like, I miss watching that show. Yeah. Alan Houston. Everybody does, but they're still making money. I know. And they're still making money for the other owners, and the other owners don't have to compete against them. Yeah. And if you're a guy like Mark Cuban, for example, don't you want to continue to get all the money well, but not have to compete? The owners don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's it's the way the way this has all worked with T V deals, with the NBA T V deals, ESPN. TNT, even TBS, when they show the you know the playoffs and stuff like that, nobody cares who makes what. Memphis versus you know fucking uh, the Clippers in the first round this year, if that was going to be the case or whatever, it would have been fine for them as long as they got the Lakers Clippers final. I think that's that's what they wanted. Yeah, they wanted the same building. Yeah, seven games in fucking LA, California. <laughs> that's exactly. And then you would have had Milwaukee. On the other side, Giannis, who's gonna be the top player probably the next Michael fucking Jordan, next LeBron James, Giannis. Like that is what they wanted. They wanted the Clippers, Lakers to go seven games, and hopefully, and I guarantee they wanted the Lakers to pull out of that. Um, if not, then they would just put Kawhi on a level on a pedestal like they put the Toronto Raptors out uh, last year. 
um, but then they would have had Giannis Kawhi or Giannis fucking LeBron. And that would have been their dream scenario NFL, NBA finals. And uh, th- you're right. They don't care for the Knicks. The Knicks, the look, Knicks are never going to be good in our lifetime. The Knicks cannot attract free agents. No. Uh, they cannot draft well. So the, the And if they do draft well in two years, it's going to be like the whole Porzingis thing all over again. They should have got Zion Williamson last year. They, <laughs> they did not get him. They got R.J. Barrett. Look, I'm not trashing R.J. Barrett. He's a good player, but I think he's basically like Ben Gordon maybe. Where he's like, he he's not up, even that good. He could put up twenty five points. He's a game not and, even that good. Yeah, you know, three point shooter, but I don't he's, know he's not have. even that good. I mean, yeah. the problem with the Knicks is they only have like four, Kevin Knox is like a project. I mean, how many times Knox, you hear that? Knox is terrible. They only have like a few legitimate players, right? Barrett's a legitimate player. Robinson's a legitimate player. Yeah. Right. Dennis Smith Jr. is not. Nicotina, Dennis Smith Jr. is not. Nicotine is like has Kevin's come along, not. But, not. Nicotina plays defense, yeah. but like that's all he does, right? So like yeah, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randall, yeah, Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randall, and R.J. Barrett. That's yeah. the team. And Julius Randall, who knows? Like, I mean, next year, who knows what happens with him? Is you think they're gonna trade him? They could. I mean, honestly, like, what are they gonna do? Like, they don't have anybody. Like, they don't have shooters. This team is like it's the weird. team is hopeless, and that's why we're gonna finish this, which is where we started it. Which is this. The economy is fucked, right? We're all quarantined because of coronavirus. Businesses are shutting down. They're talking about GDP being down 24%, which is incredible. The stock market is tanking. All of this is horrible. There's only one possibility for a silver lining here to all of this bullshit, and that's this. If there's even the smallest potential that James Dolan catches coronavirus and that it kills him, I'm not saying it would make everything that's happened worth it. Because it wouldn't, because this is a terrible situation. But I'm saying, if we're looking for a silver lining in all of this, what we have to look at is can we take out some horrible people? And James Dolan's at the heart of the, at the top of that list. He's in the heart of the outbreak. We're in New York City. We're like, you know, 10,000 people have coronavirus. If you have coronavirus, do the world the favor <laughs> of hugging, kissing, spitting on, whatever you have to do to get close enough to Jim Dolan to potentially... Make the Knicks a championship team again. That's the only thing that's going to do it. We love you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.